0: your Bible high lift your Bible high this is my Bible it's God's word to me in it God says what he means and he means what he says in it his in it is his instructions for life in it is his promises in it is his goodness in it he shares his love for me so today, as we look into his word, I will open my ears and heart to receive what he has for me, in Jesus' name, praise God. Last week, we, we've been looking at the subject of holiness, and out of that, Last week we began to look at the question, what does it mean to work out your own salvation? What does it mean to work out your own salvation? We got into that kind of two weeks ago, and then I thought, you know what, let's look at that question a little bit, because I know it's a question that many of us have. And so last week we read through many verses of Philippians chapter 2, I'm not going to do it again this week. We read through, I think, the first 17 verses or something like that of Philippians chapter 2, with our focus being on verses 12 and 13, and the line which says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let me just review a little bit regarding the message last week. We know that, first of all, Paul was speaking to the Christians. He was speaking to Christians. He wasn't speaking to unbelievers because of... Philippians chapter 1 and 1 and 2, and you can read that for yourself. We saw that this was not a contradiction. Working out your salvation is not a contradiction to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation is not something that can be earned, amen? Amen. Grace is not based on what somebody does. There is nothing a person can do to make or to convince God to save them. We cannot work our way into eternal life. We cannot work our way into heaven. We cannot work our way into God's favor. But Paul didn't say, work for your salvation. But he did say, work out your salvation. And so we saw, and we will see even more today, that there is not a contradiction in those two ideas. We looked last week at the aspect of how God created us, that we are created as three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. The first Thessalonians 5.23 says this, May the God of peace sanctify you completely. And I pray to God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked also last week that when we are born again, the Bible says in Second Corinthians five seventeen that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. And we talked about how that relates to the inward man, our spirit, becomes a new creation in Christ but we still have to deal with this outward person. We still have to deal with our, our body. how many how many have to deal with the body huh? Yeah all right you have, we have to deal with our soul. we have to deal with our mind and emotions. How many's emotions sometimes get a, gets away on you a little bit all right. yeah okay. We know that in that sense, our body and our mind are not renewed because there's an ongoing working out of salvation that has to take place in those things. We know this because, for one, our body dies. We are all bound to die one day. And we also know that the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, therefore put to death the parts of your earthly nature. And then Paul lists off a couple of things, sexual immorality, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil desire, and covetousness, covetousness, which is idolatry. So our body still has at times passions and lusts that try to rise up and take over. And Paul says that we are supposed to crucify or we are supposed to put to death those things. We also know that within regards to our soul, which is our intellect, our brain, the emotional realm of our lives, that James says in James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and remaining wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. This is why we have certain scriptures like 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have to take control of what comes in here. We cannot just simply let The thoughts, the imaginations, the ideas of the world, and even what can come in, in a sense, by just living our everyday life. We need to take control of what goes on in our mind, in our intellect, in our intelligence. Because there are things that go on here that are not good. it's why also Paul says a couple of verses or a couple of chapters later in Philippians finally brothers whatever things are true honest just pure lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue or if there is any praise think on these things and so because our body Our body or soul has not been renewed or transformed in that sense. There is this earthly nature that we have to deal with. And as long as we are in our body, you will have the desires that you will have to contend with. Now I am looking forward to that one day when either I pass along or God comes and takes me up in the rapture. And I'm looking forward to when I don't have to deal with this thing anymore. Amen? Because some days this thing gets me in trouble. Okay, I'm the only one. But we're looking at this out of, or in the aspect of holiness. We have seen that without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And when I'm talking this morning... Generally, and we will talk to you on it a little bit, but when I'm talking this morning, I'm not talking about you not being saved or you being saved in the sense of these are things, or holiness worked out, or dealing with our body, dealing with our mind is an aspect that relates to whether we are saved or not. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. But we have to work out our salvation the inward transformation has to be displayed with an outward visible transformation. Praying is good. Leading people in a prayer, in a salvation prayer is good. Leading people in quote-unquote the sinner's prayer is good. Saying I believe in God is good. People saying they believe in Jesus is good, but our spiritual life must harmonize with our outward, natural, physical life. And yes, there are things that need to be worked on. Yes, there are sinful actions or attitudes or habits in our lives that need to be dealt with. But Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, just a a couple of verses up from what we saw in chapter 2. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now in some of your book, Bibles, it might say conversation. And this is not just speaking about only let your talking be worthy, but conversation actually can be translated there as your behavior, as your conduct, as, as how you act outwardly. So only let your conduct, let your behavior be worthy of the gospel of Christ. If we are saved, it should show. It should show. We may not be perfect, but we should be moving in a different direction than the world. As we'll we get into it a little bit. If someone says they are saved, but their lives don't display it, you have to wonder, one, possibly a lack of maturity, or two, are they really saved? Are they really saved? You see, the Bible says that we're saved by faith. And sometimes as Christians, we so focus on that, we think the outward doesn't matter. But James said, and this is not up there, you show me your faith without your works. And you can kind of add a little kind of tag on that. If you can, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, good for you. This is kind of my paraphrase. That's correct. Then he goes on to say, the demons also believe and tremble. But don't you know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. You see, we can confess with our mouth. We can pray the sinner's prayer. But if it's not... There's not a believing in their heart in our heart it will not bring about salvation. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not by itself. It should lead to good works. It should lead to the activities of our life that will put that faith on display. It should lead to holy living. The person living inside of us, the Holy Spirit, should be coming out of our lives if we are saved. So I would encourage us this morning, we should not fool ourselves. And we should also not give people false hope. Kind of like, oh, you prayed the prayer, you're good now. You know, that's a good step. But if they are really saved, if they're really born again, it's going to come out in their life. And yes, I know God's got to work it out, but it will be on display at some point. Our outward life must display what has happened in our spiritual life. If we are renewed in our spirit, it will be evidenced outwardly. And I'll tell you something. I am concerned for the church because I think there are many people in the church today who think that they're born again who come to church on Sunday, who've prayed a little prayer, but their life has not changed, they have not been transformed, and they are on their way to hell. Because we've made salvation simply a prayer that you pray at the front of the church. And it's no wonder the world looks into the church today and sees a church that looks exactly like them. Because they see a church that has not been transformed. They see a people that have not been transformed. You look into Acts when the church was born, birthed in, 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 in Acts. The church was different from the world. That's why persecution came. And I believe that in this day and age when we are seeing persecution like atmospheres or the atmosphere of persecution seemingly to come into our nation, into our land, and into our world. Listen, I think that it is a good thing because it will separate those who are playing church from those who are serving the Lord with all of their heart and have been transformed. Because Because let let me tell tell you something. something, if you are simply playing church in today's environment, if you are simply someone who calls yourself a Christian in today's environment, but there has been no inward transformation and the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you and you have not been renewed, you will not stand in this day and age when the persecution comes. You will run. We saw it in the book of Acts, the persecution that came to the church. Let us not be surprised what is coming in our day and age today. So our outward life must be on display and give evidence of what's happening in here. Now I get it. We're all a work in progress. Okay? I get that. The other side of this is some people think that the moment that they sin, all of a sudden they've been cut off from God. That's the other kind of the ditching or the other side of the thing, and we won't get there. So the context for what we're looking at today comes out of the verses before the text, and we, let me just, we were just, I'm getting kind of into the main part of our message this morning from verses 12 and 13, where he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I I just want to go back to that and give some comments to it about what it means. And I want to focus in on on a couple of words this morning. First of all, I noticed the words your own. Work out your own salvation. There is two parts to that aspect of your own. The first part of it is collectively as the body of Christ. We are to work out our salvation as the body of Christ. If you were to go to the preceding verses, let me just read a couple of verses for you. Verses 1 to 5, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 which gives us context as we're moving into verses 12 and 13. It says there, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any compassion and mercy, then fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being in unity with one mind. Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility let each esteem the other better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to go to the verses after 12 and 13 to 14 and 15, it says there this, Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, sons of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in the world. There is a collective, or as the body of Christ, there is a collective working out of our salvation together. And that comes into this kind of idea, that we have to walk in a place of unity of mind, We have to work in the area of walking in a place of humbleness. We have to work in the area of building and strengthening one another up. We have to work in the area of caring for each other. Work in the area of not fighting. Amen. Not fighting. Amen. Not complaining. Being blameless together and being lights in the perverse world that we live in. You know, one of the sad things about COVID is how much division it has brought to the church. Even division to families. Disputes in the church. Disputes in church leadership. Should not be happening that way. Regardless of our thoughts Regardless of what we did as a church, how we handled it, it should not bring a dispute in the church. And so there is a collective working out this salvation. We are to work together in this common goal of seeing the kingdom of God worked in our life as a church body as his bride so that we can be lights in this world. But with it working in us corporately, it also needs to work in us individually. With the whole comes individual responsibility. The whole body will not work if the individuals don't take upon themselves the individual side of these things. You know, we can't say, I'm going to let everyone else do it. But it doesn't matter if I don't do it. We are individually responsible for disputes. We are individually responsible to walk in humility. We are individually responsible not to murmur or complain. We are individually responsible to build each other up. You know, it's not the pastor's job to do everything. I say that. Like, it's not my job to do everything. It's not my job to care for every member of this flock. I can't. I can't. I can't do a good job if I try to do it all myself. We are to work together. And I don't say that in any way. I mean, people here care and all that. I'm just saying, some churches think it's the pastor who has to do it all. The body has to come together and work these things out together. Here's, also some, here's something else we need to recognize in this. Yes, we are to be united. Yes, we're to be like-minded. You can add all of those things. But when working out our own salvation in this sense, we should focus the working out on ourselves rather than on others all the time. The practical outworking of this activity of working out our salvation can and probably will look somewhat different in the lives of of those around about us. The end desire or the end result is with the same goal in mind. The the end result is with the same goal in mind uh, out of what verse 1 or Philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we are desiring the perfect work of Christ to be completed in us. And there will be many similar aspects to that perfect work in our lives, to the perfect work of holiness, to the word of God, to prayer, to gathering together, to obedience in faith. But the practical accomplishment in our lives can sometimes look different. And the reasons for it are this. Maturity was one. Some of us are in a different place of Physical maturity. Some of I can't expect my three-year-old to act like my twenty-eight-year-old. Amen. Also, some of some of it relates to our spiritual maturity. If you've been in the faith for thirty years, you should look differently. You should act differently than someone who might be in the faith for only three months. It can also be because of our life journey, our experiences or our background or our calling. You know, some people sometimes say, "Pastor, I want to be a pastor. I I want to, I want to stand and preach." All they see sometimes is in a sense, if you want to say the glory They forget the responsibility that comes with being a pastor. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them. I like that part. But here's here's something. For they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do this with joy and not complaining. For that would be not profitable to you. My life should look differently. My life should be on a, if you want to say in a sense, a different level. I I can't think of another way to put it. My walk is probably going to look differently. The same goal, same outcome. God working in me, perfecting in me like he's perfecting in you, but there are things and happenings in my life that may be different than what happened in your life. Let me me give you some example. Just because God tells you to do something, or just because God tells you not to do something, doesn't mean that you should necessarily go around and try to convince everyone else to do the same. You know, sometimes in our relationship with God, we'll read a passage, we'll read a verse, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart about some practical situation. Maybe he speaks to our heart about some activity or attitude in our life. And now what do we do? Rather than going before the Lord and letting God deal with it, or maybe we do do that, now we think it's our job to go tell everyone to follow what God's telling you to do. Or telling you to do it the exact same way that God told you to do it. Let me give you an aspect of it in my own life. Several years ago,
1: and this is not me saying this is good or bad, I'm
0: just telling you what God spoke to me one day. I liked Star Trek. I know, weird. I liked it at one time. I was watching it one time and I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, Stop watching this. Really? Yeah, stop watching it. Okay, Lord. I don't know why. Actually, I do have some ideas why. But, you know, just because somebody comes and says, Oh, Pastor Chad, I watched Star Trek last night. I'm not going to turn around and say, Well, you know what? God told me not to watch Star Trek. Therefore, you should not watch it. We do this sometimes with our eating. You know, I know my brother. I didn't ask him for permission, but I'm going to mention it anyways. Sorry, brother. Our brother Ade well, his family, they don't eat pork. There's a conviction in their life not to eat pork. That's good. They're following what God's leading them in. You may disagree. You may have no problem with it but that's what God's laid upon their heart. We should not look down upon, you know. Some people, I know, I can never drink alcohol. Some people say, oh, Pastor Chad, you're being legalistic. No, I know, I can never drink alcohol. It's not for me. One of the reasons I know that is because I know that I probably will like it too much.
1: But I know that I can't ever walk in that way.
0: The other side of this was we should not look down upon, tease, or make fun of those people who hold certain convictions that may be displayed through practical lifestyle choices that they're trying to serve the Lord and be honorable with God. I'll never make fun of my brother, Ade, or I'll never wave a piece of bacon in his face
1: and say, look at
0: me. So sometimes these things that are worked out in our life are differently Are different, and and how they're worked out, we need to be sensitive to that. We're working out our own salvation. There are sometimes things that God deals with in our own hearts and lives that he needs to deal with us on an individual basis, and maybe you don't understand, maybe I don't understand, but we let God deal with it. You know, another one is, you know, a newborn Christian comes along and we expect them to act, talk, behave like someone who's been in the faith for A long time. I remember my father talking about kind of the hippie movement back in the 70s, 60s, whatever it was, and how there was a church in Calgary that opened their doors to the hippies of the day, and how hippies were getting saved and coming into the church, and they would wear their bib overalls, you know, guys, no shirts, sandals, or no sandals even sometimes barefoot. You know, in some churches that would be like, what are you doing? You know, and I get it on one hand, but on the other hand, some things let God work out.
1: Let God work out.
0: You know, what, what, what he said or what he told afterwards in the story about it is it, it was later on that you saw God worked in their lives, the change and their clothing and their dress began to change. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Yes, there is a time and place for standards. Yes, there is a time and place for counsel and correction and instruction. And often those things come, a a lot of times those things of counsel and instruction and correction, it really comes down to who does it and how it's done. Paul said, esteem the other better than himself that we are to esteem each other better than ourselves we need to in our working out our own salvation we need to extend grace we need to extend love we need to extend goodness you know something maybe really bugs you rather than going off and getting on that person's case sometimes you know what we should really do is we should really go into the prayer closet and pray Maybe God's spoken to you about something and, and you think, well, you know what, God, this thing that you've worked in my life would really be good for sister so-and-so across the church or brother so-and-so across the church. The best thing and the place that we should start is getting into the prayer closet and saying, God, reveal to them what you've revealed to me. Another aspect of working out your salvation is working out. It is ongoing and continual. It's not finished the day you got saved. There is not a day that we will live in this temporal, earthly life that we don't need some renovations on the outside. If we are the same person before the Lord today as we were a year ago, there's a problem. If we are the same person today as we were five, 10, 20 years ago, with the same attitudes, with the same actions, with the same, with unforgiveness or bitterness or hurts, with the same knowledge of God, if our prayer life is in the same spot, if our Bible reading life today is like it is five years ago, maybe five years ago we were reading five minutes a day, and today we're still reading only five minutes a day, there's a problem. I'm not saying that we're not saved, but we're not maturing in our faith. We're not working out our salvation as we should. Here's the challenge I encourage you with. Go before the Lord and ask him what needs to be changed. That's what I challenge you with. Go before the Lord and ask him what needs to be changed. God isn't condemning when he talks to us, but if we if we let him he, he will he will tell us in a loving manner. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? We might think I thought Christians weren't supposed to be afraid. The Bible says, don't fear man, don't fear the devil, don't fear the world. But it does say in Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It also says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. The starting point of our walk with God, even salvation is fearing him. And by the way, this is not just simply... A respectable fear. Okay? People are like, oh, I just respect the Lord. Paul said, fear and trembling. You know the word trembling means? Quaking with fear. Quaking with fear. That's not just simply respect. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 6. He says there, he shall be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Tied to the things or tied to the fear of the Lord are things like stability, wisdom, knowledge, salvation. And if you were to go the verse 5 preceding that, you would see that it also tied to it are justice and righteousness. We need to walk in a place today of fearing God. More people in the church, more churches fear man in the world than they fear God. And why do we fear and tremble before the Lord? Because we recognize who God is. One, God is holy. We recognize that He is His greatness. We fear the Lord because we recognize His goodness. I know I did a whole kind of message on this, but it's it, it good to just kind of review these things. We recognize Him because of His forgiveness. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 130? If you, O Lord, should keep track of iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? For there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. But we should also fear the Lord because of the judgment of God. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who can kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, this could be a whole subject of messages on its own. But I will say this morning, I and you know this, I am not one who believes in once saved, always saved. Yes, salvation was done for us. Yes, we are saved. Everything that needed to be done was finished. And because Jesus lives, we have eternal life. Still, though we are saved, we are not in a place of activity, inactivity or laziness. Our life is lived out on the earth. We live in a world of temptation. Amen. We live in a world of continuous trouble. The world full of sin. We've talked about how we have to deal with this physical body and mind. We have an enemy who's seeking to devour us. And so there is a necessary enduring and cooperation. And there's a necessary maturing that is required. And the faith that is required is a continuous, ongoing, living faith. Now some may argue that someone who falls away from the faith or who backslides was never saved in the first place. What I'm really trying to get at this morning is this. Is we serve a God of love. But we serve a righteous judge. And we will all stand before him one day, believer or unbeliever. We will all stand before him one day. So I would say and suggest to you that we need to keep an eternal perspective before our eyes. I want to work out my salvation in fear and trembling. Not work for my salvation, but I want to work out my salvation in fear and trembling trembling, partly because I don't ever want to get lazy. I don't ever want to get to, in a place of haphazardly taking for granted the things of God, giving the enemy a foothold, allowing sin to take over my life, my faith becoming dead, and me standing before the righteous judge in that condition. The Bible says that the fear of God is necessary to avoid sin. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. This is what I was getting at. Sometimes Christians think, well, I can handle this. I'm not talking about Star Trek. I'm talking about other stuff. But, you know, I can handle this thing on the Internet. I can handle this movie. Yeah, there's some... Scantily clad women, nude women, whatever, or men. By the way, pornography is not just a women's issue or man's issue, it's a woman's issue in our day and age. I can handle all of these things. You're being wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We need the fear of the Lord for the perfecting of holiness. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Fear of the Lord, fear of God will continually push us to see his cleansing work and the holiness to be worked out more and more in our lives. Let me also jump to something else that we need to think about in regards to the fear of the Lord. The Bible says in Galatians 6, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. James chapter 1, verses 4 and 15 says, But each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and is enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, it brings death. You know, sometimes we emphasize grace to the place where we don't talk about the consequences of sin or disobedience to God. We like to throw around those things like legalism.
1: God doesn't answer prayer because of
0: who you are. That's truth. But let's also understand there's a balance to that. You can be saved. You may be on your way to heaven. But if you're sowing into your natural earthly life sin and corruption, if you're sowing into your life the lusts of your flesh or your mind, there are consequences for that. There are consequences for not following the Lord and doing what he instructs us to do. And we miss out. I can show you one that we we, we could read almost every month when we do communion. First Corinthians 11, let a man examine himself. Verse 29 of First Corinthians 11, For he who eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and he- unhealthy among you, and many die. If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we would not be condemned with the world. By the way, yes, I take this verse very seriously because of the condition of my body. I have examined this at times.
1: The fact of the matter is very clear and
0: very understanding. Some people die not because it's God's time to take them away, but they die prematurely in the discipline of God.
1: Some people are sick today because
0: it's, in the sense, the judgment upon themselves. I'm not saying that if you're sick this morning, don't get under condemnation. I'm just saying we need to look at this and understand there are times and there is a place to examine what's going on in our life physically and examine what's going on. Are we standing right before the Lord? you know, in in the area of giving. You know, some people don't believe in giving to God. Some condemn tithing as legalism. I'm not going to give a whole message on it, but I will say this. I believe it is scriptural, and I don't believe it's legalistic.
1: I I was working through this at one time because I got, in a sense,
0: bombarded about how legalistic tithing was.
1: And I was thinking about it and praying about it, and my conviction
0: from the Holy Spirit as I was working through it in my life was this. And by the way, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, okay?
1: But this was the the question I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. If I'm trying to find a reason not to tithe to the Lord, then there's a problem in my heart. If I'm looking for a reason not to tithe to the Lord, there's a problem
0: in in my heart. Was just the way God challenged me on it. And since then, it's cool. How about this? Here's my Father's Day message. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Have you ever thought, men, that how you treat your wives will determine whether or not your prayers are answered or are effective? Do you know that? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise you oh, by the way, this is New Testament too, okay? New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, live considerately with your wives, giving honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. That's a, that, We won't get into that right now. Since they too are also heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, husbands... Man, God looks at how you treat your wife. Lots of guys, wife, submit to me.
1: I'm the king of the castle.
0: Okay. We might do this one day. I might talk on this one day. Bible says, man, treat your wives with honor. And if you don't, if you don't, Don't be surprised if your prayers are hindered and not effective. That's not me. That's scripture. So I work out my salvation in fear and trembling, giving serious consideration to all these things. First, because the God I serve and who lives in me. Secondly, because I recognize the judgment that comes to one outside the faith. Thirdly, because God has established principles of his kingdom that I need to function in. Let me encourage you in this. It requires involvement. It requires effort on our part. It requires submission to his Holy Spirit, but it's not done in our own strength and ability. Verse 13 says, For God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The great thing about this is God does not leave us alone in this. In fact, God knows that you... God knows that I can't do it on our in my own strength. We will fail in our own ability. The reason this can all happen in us because of who lives inside of us. The good news is that God has placed his Holy Spirit, he himself inside of us to provide all that we need in order to work out his salvation in our lives. Three last verses just to encourage you with this. John 15, 26, but when the counselor, or you could say the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to help this, be, help this work be accomplished in your life. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me. You and I can't do these things on our own. But through Jesus Christ, we can walk in a way and have these things accomplished in us. And First John 4.4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world.